Nuno, who the bloody hell are you? <laughs> well, some, that's, that's a very philosophical question, I would guess. But uh, uh, I'm the research and development director at Ineos. So basically, I am the geek behind the design of uh, the Ineos music service. Uh, okay. I do work with a lot of other people in these areas as well, as, as you may or may not know. Uh, we do have a working collaboration with Dr. Sean Jacobs with regards to linear power supplies. So mm-hmm. it's uh, there's actually quite a few engineers that work directly for Ineos and also um, and, and also in collaboration with Ineos in order to make the products possible. So it's uh, it's not just me going there, but I usually deliver the vision for the products and the uh, in the areas of research. Right. Okay. So my technical question is, and this is a big one, so it might, might take you a time to answer, answer this, but um, why is it that some people say that it's all ones and zeros and, and all digital sources should sound the same? And yet, when, for example, I listen to your Zenith Mark II SE server, it sounds considerably better than say a Raspberry Pi or even like even like a Google Chromecast audio, mm-hmm. which has a Toslink output, so it's technically it's galvanically isolated. Mm-hmm. So, what's going on? Yeah, it's it's quite interesting because um, my my background training is software engineering, so I am a you know I I am a bits kind of guy, and uh, you know when 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 I started working, I, I started working with uh, hi-fi and and digital audio as a hobby. And mm-hmm. when I just started, I had that same feeling, you know, as most computer engineers will tend to do. You know, it's a digital system. The digital system is perfect. As long as the communication works fine and the bits are received, they should all be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Now, there's this bad tendency of reality tending to disagree with our ideas at first, right? So Mm. the interesting part is when, and the initial experiments were around uh, linear power supplies. So at this time, Inuus didn't even exist. So um, Mm -hmm. I was having a corporate life. Uh, I was just using it as a hobby at home. And... um, you know, uh, when I first tried a linear power supply on a an initial system that I built myself, I said to myself, damn, this makes a big difference. It, it's not subtle. Mm. So why is that? And that, that really created that spark of saying, okay, there's more to it than the zeros and ones. There are more things involved. Um, and what I've come to realize along all these years is that actually more and more is that everything matters. And mm-hmm. it, is, it is a lot about the details. Um, I do see now a hi-fi system as a very, very high-precision high machine, the whole system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, because your brain as well um, detects very, very small differences in timing or tone your brain will automatically say, hey, that's fake. That's not right. And they'll just know. Um, So that's why, you know, you don't have to have golden ears. You don't have to uh, be particularly uh, an audiophile. You know, even 
people that um, don't uh, don't have hi-fi systems when they come and have a listen on our systems and we compare them uh, they say mm-hmm. yeah it's pretty evident there's there's a big difference there and it's just you know wh- whenever the, the system is uh, sounding let's say cleaner they get the difference right away and it sounds more natural and it's there's more ambience to it so coming back to the initial question so what what's going on after all so if if it does make a difference and that's the observation we do on a daily basis mm. why is that i think the the answer to that is to this moment in time nobody knows the full answer and i don't mm. think and i think if uh, if anyone says that they are in full control they know all the variables i don't think they really do um, mm. it's an immensely complex system if you look at a digital source, and I'm just talking about the digital source, I'm I'm not even getting into the DAC and the amplifier sure. and the rest of the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking things like uh, a, a computer motherboard. It can be a simpler computer like a, a Raspberry Pi or a more complex computer like more like an Intel-based. But mm-hmm. either of them are immensely complex. So if you wanted to know exactly what's going on in every subsystem and understand exactly what's being output from the source normally into the DAC, which is the next step, um, Mm. it is not easy to discover. Uh, For these, uh, Mm. you need to understand that uh, there are lots of factors there at play. There are, there's things like power noise, there is jitter, then there's the um, harmonics of that that power noise. There are things like latency, the software protocols, and so on and so forth. So I mm. think we are still all, and that includes both the industry and the community, because there is a lot of, of the community that is working on this and trying things out. There is still discovering uh, you know, a lot of the factors that influence sound quality. But mm. what I can tell right now is there are some major factors and there are some more minor factors that influence sound quality. In terms of the major factors, what we've found so far on our lab tests is the power supplies make a mm. really, really big difference. Um, and uh, they they do, and you can measure that. So that's something that is measurable and you can see it on the output how much cleaner the, the signal is. And we, we so, tend to... Use you, the, sorry, sorry, John. You sorry, no, no, no. I was going to interrupt and ask, so what, what are you measuring? Are you measuring noise profiles? Is that We're what measuring doing? quite a lot of things. Um, hmm. One of the things we do is we measure noise levels on the oscilloscope. So that's actually mm-hmm. the first stage that we do is how right. we actually choose motherboards uh, mm-hmm. because motherboards have... Uh, have different profiles altogether. There are some motherboards that should never be used for audio. There are others that are really, really good. Um, okay. And that's that's kind of a first filter. But uh, before I go more a little bit into the details of that, I just say generically, the reason mm. we found that it makes a difference is because the bits, the zeros and ones, despite we thinking about it as a digital signal, it's actually mm. an electric signal. 
So, so it's an, it's an analog system. It is an analog system. So the zero relaying ones, digital. Yes, exactly. Yes. It's basically it's a voltage difference. So hmm. you know a zero is like zero volts, and a, a one is five volts, for instance. So right. So in theory, you know bits should be as what we call a square wave. So they should be mm -hmm. perfectly square ups and downs. Uh, mm -hmm. What happens in practice is that um, they're not. They're, they're kind of wavy all around. It's still enough for the system on the other side to identify them as, okay, I think this is a zero, I think this is a one, and that communication works perfectly. If that communication didn't work perfectly, computers these days would not work and we would not have this kind of digital age as we have now. But right. the problem is that together with that signal, comes a lot of other stuff. Mm -hmm. So, and at different frequencies with different harmonics. And that's mm -hmm. what actually influences the rest of the chain. And because the, the, that, that noise and that interference comes mixed up with the entire set of frequencies on the, on the, on the, um, on the signal, it is quite mm -hmm. difficult to take them out. So it's difficult to filter. Uh, mm. Let me give you an example. If you would say, if we would get a signal and say, oh, the audio signal is between, you know, this frequency and this frequency, and all the noise was above that frequency, it would be very easy to clean up the signal. We just say, okay, filter everything above this frequency and job done. Mm. We would get a perfect, clear signal that it was completely devoid of interference and all that. Unfortunately, that's not the reality. Um, the, the interference are actually all around the spectrum. So it's very difficult to, to actually separate them. Um, so it comes a little bit to our mantra of rather than uh, kind of dirtying the signal to try and clean it up afterwards, our philosophy is don't get it dirty in the first place. Because mm. we believe that once you get it dirty, it is very, very difficult to clean it up. Mm. So hence, the power supplies in that case help quite a lot. Um, particularly the linear power supplies are a lot quieter in general than the switching power supplies that are present in most of our systems nowadays. Um, mm. And that makes a real, real difference. Um, so that helps getting a cleaner signal that interferes less and lets, in this case, the DAC work at, at its best. Because in the, in the end, so even, and what we've come to realize is that even fairly entry-level DACs can sound really good if they are fed with a really, really good, nice, clean signal, precise, well-timed, so that they can just perform at their best. Um, I would absolutely agree with that. Absolutely, yes. I mean, uh, this is this is why I'm asking this question of you today is because, I mean, people get very hung up on DAX and rightly so, but, you know, over the past few years, I've kind of, my focus has very slowly shifted towards the source that feeds the DAC because you can get, like, as you say, get a very affordable DAC and feed it with a quite, uh, you know, an uncomfortably expensive, relatively expensive source and sometimes get a better result than if you had like a, the same money on a DAC fed by like a, a MacBook or a Surface mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
laptop, mm-hmm. you know? And I find that really interesting. It is it, it the reason you want to lower noise, is it because it disturbs the sensitive circuits inside the DAC that's connected to the Yes, source. yes, that is that is case the case, and there's there's number a number of components inside the deck that are particularly sensible. Um, mm. The most sensible of them all is actually the clock on the deck itself. Right. So you do want to disturb that as less as you can. Now, mm. here comes the catch because you know if if this was all just about the uh, power noise and interference on the power line because we were talking a lot here we we we, we talking a lot about maybe the usb output and we can chat as well about ethernet or optical connections and see how things vary when when using those kind of connections Mm. um there's there's uh there's one thing that people say okay okay we know that you know in the case of usb uh we have a power line and we have a ground line so mm-hmm. if we galvanically isolate those, then we eliminate all noise. So uh, wrong. That that is incorrect at all. Because the problem is, and we've we've measured that already, is that that noise travel on the data lines themselves, and those cannot actually be galvanically isolated. So, uh, okay. or even if you did put on something like an isolation transformer on that, which would probably introduce latency, some mm-hmm. of the noise would actually translate to the other side itself. But we've, we've made experiments, and on our lab, we actually have a, a special USB board for which we can isolate, we can measure each of the signals on each of the lines of the USB, and we yeah. can turn off the ground and the five volts at will. Because uh, mm-hmm. some decks do need that, some decks yes. don't. Yeah. Uh, and even on the ones that don't need that, you can really hear the difference once you put it like a cleaner signal. Let's say uh, change from a switching power supply to a linear power supply. Mm-hmm. You can hear it right away, even with zero volts and five volts disconnected completely. Mm. Um, so basically you just have the, the data line going through and that's it. Yeah. That's it. That's a two differential right. line. So the the what's what's called in the USB D plus and D minus. So yeah, that's okay, the bare yeah. essential. Even when you yeah. just have those two lines, it still makes a difference because otherwise, this problem would be solved long ago. You know, it, it's not difficult to isolate the lines, and there are already right. a number of products in the market that very easily allow you to just disconnect the lines or eventually replace the the those lines by another that are cleaner and the, and they do make a difference. You know, when you mm. do that, if you have an, a very noisy source, they will help. And we've seen cases like, you know, the jitterbugs or USB isolators and so on that actually help, particularly mm. when you have a very noisy source. Right. But there's only so much they can do. Okay, so basically galvanic isolation is not the silver bullet no. in, in fixing USB's noise leakage because it can le- it, the noise can still leak along well, the data the, the lines, noise, right? The noise, the noise issue, let's say, is not an issue mm-hmm. of the USB itself. It's mm-hmm. an issue of mm-hmm. anything that's connected. Yes, uh, right. So whenever you have two systems there's mm-hmm. always a degree of interference from one system to the other. It's It's really uh 
there's always some interface that seeps through, even when you use it. That's probably not coming to things like the optical say, okay, so why is it that when we connect via optical, hmm. in theory, optical is light. Light does not get interference. Uh, light does not translate into translate the noise that it's done by the source uh, into the destination, let's say the DAC in this case. Mm. So why is it that um, optical isn't the best connection available? And it's curious because I think audiophiles, you know, by their own experiments, even without any technical background, have known this for ages. Typically, optical compared to USB or to uh, coax, particularly coax, mm. optical mm. normally tends to sound worse than coaxial, despite being an isolated connection. Right. So why is that? Because that bugs me as well sometimes. When people <laughs> ask people ask me this question a lot, especially now on YouTube, and I'm reaching a wider audience. They say, "Well, why don't you just cut over to, to Toslink, and all your problems will disappear?" Yeah. And I, I really, I don't have the engineering answer for that, and that's I'm hoping to pull that from you today so that I can respond. You know, I can pay it forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, basically, there are two things with with uh, there are two main problems with optical. Um, mm. One of the main problems is jitter. Uh, the optical, the SPD protocol, as defined mm. by by Sony and Philips, um, mm. by design, has a very high jitter connection. Now, this is not an issue for. Um, I don't know, maybe a data connection from a computer. But mm. it is an issue when you're talking about real-time to a DAC. And right, that, because moving, so moving data to a computer, it's not time-sensitive. No. But moving no, data to a DAC, it is time-sensitive. I mean, right. think, think a little bit like a CD. Let's say a mm. CD player, and, and this is often something that we get asked. So, uh, you know, the difference between playing a CD and ripping a CD. And uh, why sometimes we get, and we get that a lot of times, we've tested against a number of CD players and people get surprised. How come ripping a CD on our server sounds better than actually playing the CD on the CD player? Uh, and, and there's one thing that's quite interesting because when mm. you play a CD, the show must go on. You know, the, the reading head is reading the CD. If it finds an error... It can't say, hey, wait a minute, let's stop, let's go back, and let's read it again to see if you got it right. You can't mm. do that because you're reading in real time. Maybe you'll mm. have a small buffer or something, but usually the CD players don't come back to read it all over again because it's right. like, okay, I can't stop the music. I need to go on. And that's why mm. CD players in general do something called interpolation. So they kind of do a, an educated guess of what's the bit there um, mm. and sometimes they will get it right and sometimes they will get it wrong and particularly as a cd gets more scratched um then it, it starts getting it wrong more often and that's why some you know people get degradation on cd playback actually mm. over time over long periods of time yeah. um when you're ripping you can actually if you get an error you can actually go back it's not time sensitive we're, we're not listening to the music yeah. We can just go back. And this is the same as, as the computer communication. So when we're um, communicating, let's say, via Ethernet to a NAS from your computer, uh, if, there are, if there's a packet there, a data packet that, that gets lost, 
you know, on the other side, they just ask, okay, send it, send it to me again. So just mm-hmm. request, I, I didn't receive this packet. They all come numbered in a very, just in a very simplistic way. They all come numbered. If you lost that packet, you say, okay, I haven't received it packet number 2214. Can you please send it again? And then mm-hmm. it get, gets back and it gets sent again. And that's how you get the resilience of network connections, you know, going sometimes for, you know, Ethernet can go for up to 100 meters. Mm-hmm. And in a, let's say, in a noisy environment, that could mean loss of communications along the way. So in this case with the DAX, and particularly with, with optical, you do have this real-time sense. You can't just go back and ask, just, just send it to me again. We just, just move on. So there's a bit of jitter there. Uh, and is that, is that, sorry, is that jitter as part of the protocol? Because, I mean, even... It is. It is, it, is, it is part of the... Pro, it is a consequence of the protocol. So uh, uh, the fact that the protocol works like that, inherently, there's a high jitter. Uh, if memory, I would have to check the exact numbers, but I do know, for instance, uh, it's about twenty times uh, bigger than USB. And USB, you can get okay. pretty low jitter, like from three to ten picoseconds, for instance. Yeah. Whereas optical can be much more than that, around the 200, 200. Now vendors, vendors have come around this, trying to reclock the signal afterwards. Mm-hmm. So what they do is say, okay, I know it's a jitter, so I put a bit of a buffer and I will reclock this in order to try and get it right, which does make it better, but obviously the reclocking itself doesn't clean up entirely the signal. So the dirtier and the more uh, or, or the more uh, jittery the signal comes to the reclocker, uh, the mm. worse it performs. So if it gets a less jittery uh, signal, it actually performs that reclocking better. And that's one of the reasons, in a very simplistic way, why mm. sometimes in coax sounds better than, than optical, because actually it comes with less jitter to the reclocker, because both the optical and the coax are, are connected to the same circuit on the DAC, to the same yes, reclocking. Yes. So yeah. they, go, they both go through there. They should sound the same, but they don't. So basically, with USB... The biggest problem electrical engineers like you have or server designers have is noise or minimizing noise. Well, that's one biggest, factor. It's not the one, only factor. Um, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm just trying to I'm trying to make it kind of simple and digestible sure. for the audience here, right? But so, and this is what I'm picking up myself because I'm not an engineer. So, so the, the probably the probably the one of the one of the let's let's put it this way: one of the bigger problems of USB connections is noise leakage between streamer and DAC. Mm-hmm. But the bigger pro- the bigger problem with a Toslink, an optical connection, isn't noise because it's not there mm-hmm. because it can't make that jump. But it's well, jitter inherent mm-hmm. to that protocol, right? Is that, do I have that? That's right? one. That's one. There's the second. There's a second thing about optical that uh, people don't tend to think. Um, right. You know, we tend to think as the uh, mechanisms for receiving and transmitters, the the, the so-called transceivers to be absolutely mm. perfect. So let's let's think about how optical works. Optical, uh, the connection basically comes like this. So from the source, whatever the source is, there's an electrical, it starts with an electrical signal. Right. And yeah. then you have a transceiver that converts the electrical signal into a light signal, right? So mm-hmm. that, that light travels over the cable 
And then there's another transceiver on the other side that converts light into an electric signal, correct? And then that's mm. connected to the rest. Yeah. Because in the yeah. end, you know, DAX don't operate at light level. That would be a very interesting concept. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, at the moment, they don't. So they need to work with an electrical signal. So there needs to be this conversion from light into an electrical signal. Now, mm-hmm. ideally, and I don't think a lot of people think about this, this process is not perfect. So the transceiver itself, it will create a signal. It will identify it as zeros and ones. But it's, mm-hmm. again, the transceiver itself will introduce noise into that electrical signal because of the way it does it as well. So it does have powers. It does have chips. It does have electronic components that do that, that actually mm. introduce their own noise into the signal. So while we say, okay, I don't get the influence of the noise that's picked up by the cable, the EMI that is picked up the, by the cable along the way, yeah. but I actually get noise introduced by the components itself while they're doing this translation from optical, from an optical to an electrical signal. And that, in a lot of cases, actually, can be higher than the EMI that it's picked up along the way through the cable. Huh. Exactly. And that's why we've, we've made a few tests with uh, uh, fiber optic uh, Ethernet isolators. Mm. And in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a lot of cases, when we compare to our high-end systems particularly, um, mm. we've noticed that connecting the Ethernet directly, let's say, to a streamer port of a Zenith SC or, or a statement mm. or something like that, mm. would actually sound better. The streamer would sound better than using right. the isolator. And we do believe that that is the cause. So we haven't done a complete scientific study about that. That, that is mm. the truth. We, we haven't. We haven't gone into detail. But that's, that is our working theory there, is that actually the isolator itself so it we know for a fact it is physics that we're not introducing noise along the way so if you're not introducing noise along the way then we're introducing that at the destination so when we're actually converting the signal and sending it to the to the streamer because we measure it at the end so we connect yeah. to to our oscilloscope and we 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 do check there's a noisier there's a different pattern and there's more noise when we connect the isolate than when we don't. So it all has to do, you know, in, a, in an Ethernet. It doesn't mean that the Ethernet isolates or the fiber isolators are bad. No. If you have a very, very noisy source, they will certainly be better. Mm. But if you have a very clean source, that's where they can actually make it worse. So that's... And that's, that's because of... It- Sorry, is that because of the transceivers inside the optical isolator when they're working hard to read and transcode from light to electrical pulses, they're introducing their own noise? That's right. The, right. It is It is part. I don't mm. think it's as simplistic, but in a very mm. high-level way, yes, that's, that's, that's the case. Um, and that's, that's another reason why we say, well, optical isn't perfect as well. I mean, mm. it, it's almost the same as, as a wireless connection. We can say, okay, I can avoid, uh, you know, an Ethernet cable altogether mm. and yes. just use wireless. And wireless will not pick up noise, uh, you know, from the connection itself. But mm. you do have an antenna on the other side that will pick up other kinds of noise. So mm. in the end, 
you're basically when you when you're setting up a system like this is you're trying to determine and trying to choose which option is the best so so is is the the noise floor let's say of a wireless connection lower or higher than putting an ethernet connection on right and that will give and that's why in some cases people you know when you look around at the community and we 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 like to follow up what the community is testing. We mm. we hear a lot of contradicting uh, reports. People mm. saying, "Oh, you know, my wireless sounds better than wired," while others will come out and say, "Oh, my wired sounds a lot better than wireless." Same thing with USB and Ethernet. You have people that swear that their USB sounds absolutely much better than ethernet and you have others will tell you exactly the opposite mm. and we do believe that that the reason is that is it depends on the system that's there so in some cases you know the noise floor or something like the the usb or the way the usb is implemented is, is introducing more noise than it's actually doing via the ethernet that's why we keep saying it <clears throat> and we we tell this time and again to to mm. to, to the customers is that they ask we ask very often whether USB is better than Ethernet. And we say depends mm. on the implementation. It just depends which source you're using, which DAC you're using, or which streamer you're using, how they implement it, how they get affected, how you know what kind of cables are you connecting? Because if you change the cables themselves and they isolate better, then that may be the difference that you'll get in terms of the noise floors in making it um making it it sound better so that's why unfortunately and most people will tend to prefer a black or white kind of answer but unfortunately what we're finding more and more is that we have a lot of shades of gray in between interesting no no that you've really opened my eyes to a lot of different concepts there and i think um i think listeners will really appreciate that as well because i know you, you've you've kind of touched on many different um, connection protocols and you know their limitations and their benefits but I think that certainly helped me clear up some of the confusion in my mind as to why we don't use Toslink or why Ethernet optical isolators might actually make the signal or the sorry the sound quality worse that's fantastic um oh thank you and uh, and uh, I mean in in our case our current line hmm. investigation and, and and it comes to the point where I say again that Hi-Fi is a really, really high-precision machine. Mm -hmm. It's coming to the point to say, we, th we currently believe that if we get, it is better overall at the very, at the very high end, or if we're going to get for the best possible sound quality, we actually think that it's achievable by maintaining a really, really low noise, high precision signal with good timing, with good clocking, with low latency throughout the chain using good cables that really protect the signal along the way. So protecting the signal as much as we can. So rather than mm. we trying to kind of rebuild the signals, because rebuilding the signal means that that rebuild process itself must be really, really, really precise. And what we're finding so far is that um, it, is, it is better, or we can maintain a lower noise, lower jitter, lower latency 
signal if we just kind of nurture that signal, so make it low noise at the beginning and then ensure that, that it's kept low throughout the chain rather mm. than say, heck, let's do as much noise as we can. We'll just reclock it somewhere else. We think there's a, more, there's, a, there's a limitation there. This can change in the future. If someone comes up with an optical transceiver that is really, 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 really precise to the point that you know, it's, it's impossible to have, let's say, that, uh, uh, that signal for the source, then at that stage, then we reach that kind of uh, what seems a bit utopia at the moment, that it's everything is independent from the source. So it doesn't, mm. the source doesn't matter. It's completely clean. Um, but uh, whether it's feasible or not, or how feasible, that's, that's really a, a question that remains to, to be answered.